Even though our lives are more online and digital than ever, we still live in a physical world. But combining technology and data with that world means the objects we see and touch every day are being transferred into the digital realm. To a lot of people, that probably sounds like a load of sci-fi, but having virtual versions of actual products and processes is a business practice that's being expanded in its scope and use. This is the world of digital twins. In this episode of the DHL Logistics Trend Radar podcast, we're talking to report co-author Ben Gessing and Dr. Klaus Dorman, who leads DHL's flagship innovation center in Cologne, Germany. The concept of digital twins isn't something that everybody's heard of, and it may appear to be, quite frankly, a strange concept. I started the conversation with Dr. Klaus Dorman by asking him, for some clarity on digital twins and to check that it's not about some pregnancy on social media. I never heard that <laughs> comparison here, but I, but I like it. No, no, it's not. We felt when we looked into digital twins, actually, that it, it was really important to give a proper definition of what it is because it helps the conversations. I mean, this one hopefully as well, but also conversations we're having with customers or suppliers. So yeah, I mean, it's really important to make that clear. It is a unique digital representation of a physical object. You're pretty much copying this physical object into the digital world. And the, the special thing is it's not a plan of this object, but it's a real-time representation and a couple of other elements to that. But I think these are the most important ones. So whatever happens with the physical asset in the physical world, you know, is immediately being copied into the digital world. And this has a, a number of very interesting implications. Now that we have an idea on what they are, it raises the question of why we need to have digital versions of objects once they're in the physical world. Ben explains. The world is constantly building you know, more complex and, and sophisticated machines. You know, things like jet engines, sort machines, you know, all kinds of industrial machinery. The idea is, is fundamentally with a digital twin, it's easier to move bits like ones and zeros in the digital space and modify things before you move any physical atoms, right? So you want to get as much of the design and, and you want to get as much of the planning and physical structure, right, in the digital world because, you know, physical materials and atoms are much, much harder to redesign if you don't get it right. And, you know, there's a lot of parallel computing trends that have made this possible. You know, you can now have a sort of a living, connected, basically 3D virtual model of many different types of, let's say, physical assets. And that really transforms how you can manage and how you can operate the real world. And so it's something that we saw coming about two years ago from the engineering manufacturing space. And since then, we've sort of seen, okay, this is going to come down market to logistics. And we're already seeing some indicators of that today. I mean, I'm because I'm I'm very rudimentary in my understanding of all of this, I'm trying to visualize it for myself. Is that almost like if I share a screen with somebody? I mean, at a very basic level. Maybe a bit more than that. <laughs> the problem is that many things that are just sort of more, let's say, traditional, let's say, IoT initiatives or data simulations, those give visibility, but those aren't necessarily digital twins by the definition that we define. So we come back to really defining, okay, if you're using IoT to connect some asset, collect some data about it, and make some decisions, is that really a digital twin? Probably not, but it's ultimately where we want to go. 
my favorite example, and this is when the technology first became known to me, is about two years ago. Um, I met a gentleman from Rolls Royce, who's one of our big customers, and we're talking about the engines, not the not the cars. When they're developing, you know, the next generation of Trent extra wide body engines, you know, the ones on the, the A three fifty and the seven eight seven. They have to do a lot of testing, and every jet engine costs about 35 million US dollars. And you know they have to simulate what's called a bird strike, basically seeing if an engine hits birds, does the mm-hmm. outer casing stay intact? And what they essentially do is set up an engine, run it at full capacity, and they basically hurl frozen chickens into the engine and destroy it. <laughs> Very costly loss, but they monitor it with all sorts of cameras, connectivity, just to process all the data from 0.2 seconds of the moment of impact and what happens inside the engine. You know, what they can do is actually simulate all of that virtually without having to destroy this $35 million asset. Right. And believe it or not, by having this chemically, thermally identical digital twin Mm -hmm. of the Trent engine, they can take that two split seconds of data and analyze it at much more depth and much more detail than you know, how do we do it traditionally, let's say. Let me just, just say that I'm glad that Ben mentioned that frozen chicken example. I think it's a it's a very good one and hope you know, people will remember digital twins and frozen chickens uh, go, going forward. I will never forget it after that, account. <laughs> Same here. Another aspect of it is in our industry, visibility is this never-ending aspiration. We always want to get more visibility on supply chains because it makes us more efficient. It gives us better service quality to our customers. And the thing is that A digital twin is sort of, let's say, the ultimate state of visibility. One aspect I think that's really cool is that a lot of the machinery that we even use in supply chains, on the back of that, you're seeing more sophisticated virtual twin technology coming with that machinery. For example, all of our sort machines across our Parcel Express facilities, somewhere in in our major hubs, there's basically a control room with a complete one-to-one virtual representation of the sort machine and the whole thing is lit up in green amber red based on the condition of the performance and there's a team of people basically monitoring and observing the machine in real time and if anything changes color right radio down someone say hey check it out what's there okay there's a parcel stuck free it keep it moving and so it's already in a way we're already doing this in some parts of the business so it's already there, but it's the question of, okay, it makes sense for a sort machine. How do you take that and expand it to really cover not just the sort machine, but the vehicles in the yard, the forklifts, the people feeding the machine and all of that? It's just the question of how do we get even more data, more visualization from beyond just that one machine into this, let's say, control room type of environment. For companies dealing with things like jet engines or any type of complex machinery, Digital twins are an obvious fit. For a service-based company, the need for such a setup may seem a little less clear-cut. But as Klaus tells us, DHL sees potential value in the concept. We have been facing this question a couple of times. I mean, why is DHL looking into that? The one area is opportunities for our operations. I mean, we are running assets, uh, you know, big-time trucks, vans, sorters, aircraft. Uh, So a lot of assets in the field on, on our side. And, and of course, you know, digital twins of these assets help us to improve our operation, to make it more efficient, um, hopefully to make the asset utilization increase and so on and so forth. In addition to that, the combination of that, I mean, ultimately leads to a digital twin of a supply chain. I mean, imagine you would know everything 
uh, and have this available real time that happens in your supply chain, movements, status of assets, and so on. So there's a lot of opportunity in this area for us. But in addition to this DHL-centric view on the topic, for us, it's also interesting to see what is happening on our customer side. To make it very simple, I mean, if you imagine there's one digital twin of a factory, for example, and you know everything about that factory and what's happening, I mean, think of all the logistics processes around that, things coming in, things going out. I mean, if you link the digital twin information, all that knowledge, you know, with the supply chain management around it, I mean, there are a lot of opportunities to drive efficiency for our customers. And these are the two angles we're taking here. Well, I mean, that sounds as if it's a, a wide open category of things that can suddenly be done at much less cost and, and with much more efficiency. What are the challenges, though, involved in these digital twin processes? And does it require huge amounts of machinery, of programming, of, of processing capability, in terms of energy even, perhaps something that you could say? What are the big challenges there? I think the challenge is getting to that final state of having a digital twin of a more complex object, like a factory, I mentioned that example, or a warehouse in, in, in our world, right? I'd say quite easy to develop and implement a digital twin for one asset that is being developed. So you can plan for the digital twin from the very beginning while you are developing a product, for example. I mean, take an aircraft engine in Ben's chicken example, right? And this is quite straightforward. You know, yes, comes with a cost, but, you know, technology is there and so on. The challenge is for me, you know, these more complex sites, and, you know, connecting all of that information, that is an effort, right? Yeah, the data aspect of it is extremely critical because you have, you know, a lot of data typically in disparate sources, but what a digital twin ends up becoming is like one single very visual source of truth for all that data. It sounds very complex. I understand that the end result is that it gives you much more efficiency. Uh, you know, it's cheaper. Eventually, once you've built these digital twins, they can be used over and over again, and, and there's tremendous application there. But it does sound complex to set it up. Um, does it require people with several PhDs to make it work? Uh, well, certainly my PhD does not help in that, <laughs> in that respect, I, I, I can tell you. Good question on, on the skills. I mean, for, for sure, it requires also different skills. I mean, Ben mentioned the, the data aspect of it, right? There's an engineering aspect in there, so it requires combination of different skills. And yeah, it sounds complex, but I think what we've seen in most of the cases where there is a digital twin, you know, it is a journey anyways. You know, as Ben mentioned, you know, you start with a few assets moving around in your operation that are being equipped with sensors. Maybe you add a bit of prediction to that based on the data you get, predictive maintenance, for example, right? And then over time, you start integrating these into what ends up to be a digital twin, right? This is the way we see to handle this complexity. The only exception I would see is, you know, if you really build something new from scratch, like customers building a factory, you know, somewhere, you know, from scratch. And you, you, from the very beginning, yeah. you have this objective in mind, you know, I want to see this as a digital twin as well. Then it's maybe faster and not so much of a journey. For the rest, I'd call this a journey. An interesting challenge for DHL in the digital twin journey is the company's use of things that aren't by nature connected entities. Ben explains. If we think about like warehouses, for example, I mean, you know, we build the four walls, we build the racking, the conveyors and, and material and stuff in there. We build all that. It's born in CAD, but then once it's built, so much of it is offline. And we have a few, let's say, lighthouses across the business that are warehouse digital twins. I'd say are like very, very advanced IoT sort of implementations. But what we kind of learned is how do you continually update that digital twin? 
because so much of it is offline, walls, racking, cartons. They don't have any connectivity by definition, and they don't inherently give off 3D data about you know spatially how they're existing. And so one of the things we're thinking about, if you really want to have like a real-time digital twin, is then how do you how do you make sure that it's real-time and stays as the world is in real time? While the concept has undoubted benefits for organizations as a whole, Ben elaborates on how the amount of data generated, especially in operations using digital twins to manage complex ecosystems, can mean better value for individuals and business units inside and outside the company. A digital twin it becomes a potentially vast IT endeavor. And usually these big platforms, they tend to create a lot of value for a lot of people, but in very small different ways. So for a facility or health and safety manager, they would be able to see how are people moving through the facility? Where are their potential collision points? Where are their like, risk areas and traffic zones inside the warehouse? For a customer who we're managing this facility for, you know, it's a day before Black Friday. You know, they might want to log in and see, like, you know, what do I have where? And I'm just making up examples, but it serves the needs of many different people. And so it's hard to find this like one killer case, but it's almost a paradigm shift in how you manage, operate, maintain visibility, and really make decisions about, let's say, a facility or a certain part of your supply chain. So, uh, I mean, as I understand it, gentlemen, this is really an enormously useful technology and something which you have generous applications for. There are, there are possible use cases here in almost every way, shape, and form. Are there any things that can't be digital twinned? Now, that is a good question. <laughs> okay, I, I give it a go, Ben. My, my short answer is no. <laughs> so we're seeing, like, you know, there are digital twins by Siemens Healthineers of a human heart, right? So to your question, you know, is there anything that couldn't be a digital twin? Even your heart could be a digital twin. But in general, as you recognize it, you know, anything you could put a sensor on, you could get data from, you know, can become a digital twin or part of a digital twin. So, but Ben, I'd be interested. I mean, is it a yes for you? For you? Is there any exception? No, I think you're right, Klaus. Anything that exists physically, there are ways to acquire a three-dimensional full-color scan. It's always easier if you get a digital twin of something as it's being produced, because everything that exists had to be designed somewhere. And a lot of things are born in CAD, so you have a digital version of it from the get-go. And anything that's not produced, let's say in that way, you can acquire that data. Let's say by that definition, you can really get a digital model of just about anything. Another thing that really makes a digital twin come to life is a thing called simulation optimization. So you can simulate different things, you can optimize it, you can sort of, given certain inputs, given a certain goal, you can simulate the behavior of something. And that fundamentally is like a set of algorithms and computer science tools that can apply to anything. We talked to an engineering company in Germany that was doing very detailed digital twins of material science. So looking at the material composition of copper versus zinc versus aluminum. The world of digital twins is helping to shape products and services in a way that is more efficient and cost-effective than ever before. At the same time, the real-world versions of the digital models are themselves becoming more efficient and cost-effective. In some ways, then, it's kind of sad that most people will be unaware of the benefits that the practice brings to the world. In fact, chances are the only celebrations we'll see from outside the realm of digital twins will be from chickens. This has been another episode of the DHL Logistics Trend Radar podcast. 
In our final episode, we get more insight into what the publication means for DHL and their customers. The Logistics Trend Radar podcast is presented by me, Gareth Cliff, written, recorded, and produced by Spike Ballantyne, and is a product of DHL in association with Cliff Central in Johannesburg, South Africa.